0: Everybody, and welcome to the Pinstripe Alley Podcast. Yes, another episode of the PSOP is here. Joining me on the PSOP, which I guess I'll now be calling it. I don't know if uh, my fellow co host, uh, I almost said my fellow kunj host, <laughs> which
1: is still <laughs> I accurate. I do host kunjas.
0: <laughs> At least you're not like Kyle Holder, who is, uh, you know, designated holder of Kyle's.
1: Yes, that is true. We See, do need somebody to hold all those Kyles.
0: Although I think we're, we don't have as many Kyles as we used to when that name was funnier.
1: No, but you know, just in case we do get more Kyles, we'll it's always good Hig- to have somebody to hold them.
0: Exactly. We do have Higgy, so he, he's still around, so I mean, just that is one well, Kyle that might need holding.
1: Yes. But also, no. I was totally ready to try and come up with some witty like way to say hello, and then you turn me off by the
0: we, never ha- we don't ever have to call it that again. It was just me being stupid.
1: But we might always have to call it that from now on. It's We're not sure yet.
0: Yes. We're, we're, we're still working out the kinks. It's only Kunj's second day on the cast. On the PSOP. On the Pasop cast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Could be anyway. P- or maybe it's pronounced PSAP. I don't know. I don't think anybody <laughs> does. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yes, welcome to uh, this episode of the Pinstripe Ballet Podcast. Uh, joining me is Kunj Shaw. Hashtag, well, kind of Twitterless Kunj, but, you know, still maybe using Tyler's uh, um, Twitter handle.
1: I haven't decided yet. All
0: right. Oh, well, speaking of Tyler, Tyler will be actually joining us on this podcast a little later. He'll actually be replacing Kunj because uh, we also have a special guest uh, later on we have uh, Brian Hoke from mlB.com and he's here to talk about his book the baby bombers and from what everything Ooh. I've heard about it it's pretty pretty good
1: yeah it should be fun
0: yeah I never be mean,
1: though
0: I haven't read it yet just because I mean Tyler got an advanced copy because he runs the site one of, I guess one of the perks
1: Yeah, but he doesn't get to host the PSOP every week, so... That's true. Who's really getting all the perks?
0: (laughs) Valid point. (laughs) But, so, they'll be joining us later, and Tyler and Brian will be talking about his book. But we actually have some things to talk about, because as almost kismet, as almost like Brian Cashman knew we were recording the PSOP today... Uh, the Yankees signed uh, Neil Walker to a one-year, four million dollar deal with incentives, which is um, crazy, but pretty cool.
1: Oh, I thought you were gonna lead with the big news of the day that Danny Espinosa has been cut, but I guess we could talk about Neil Walker.
0: Yeah, I mean that—that that is important.
1: Uh, I know. Right. I'm sorry
0: to all those uh, Espinosa stands out there.
1: Yes, there are some of those apparently. <laughs> But yeah, the Yankees signed Neil Walker, and it's an awful deal for him. But I guess that's just the way the market has transformed this offseason slash season. But it's a great deal for the Yankees, and there's absolutely no reason why they shouldn't have done it. It gives them good insurance uh, at second base, third base. He can play a little bit of first to back up Greg Bird. And it gives them, the most important thing, time to let Glaber Torres just you know, shake off the rust in the minors.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know if you read one of the link dumps, um, because I'm pretty sure you don't read mine. I don't read yours. I don't read yours. Okay, good. I'm glad we're on the same page here.
1: I just look at the titles and then move on.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we have to keep up the competition of who can outpun who in the titles. Yes. But, yeah, no, uh, Marcus... Uh, the hidden coach, he was basically saying that he thinks Glaber is pushing a bit too hard recently, which makes sense. I mean, he wants to make this team, obviously, but he is also coming back from surgery. Like, this is his first, like, real workout. So, you know, it's, like you said, rust.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and that's actually a good point that I hadn't thought of. So, if he is pushing himself now, it's basically the Yankees saying, hey, you know what? You're not competing for a job now, so chill.
0: Yeah, work on work on your stuff which we know is good. Like, you know, there's no doubt like you are our best prospect right now. But, you know, just work on it and we have we have Walker and I mean the good thing is like Walker I didn't see a no trade clause in there so if they feel labor's ready and Walker doesn't do well, which seems unlikely. I mean, I don't think this is like a Brian Roberts or Steven Drew situation, like Neil Walker is actually a pretty good second baseman.
1: Yeah, it's actually uh funny because um I think uh, Mike Mazello tweeted this out earlier, but it's like the Yankees had another guy who's usually a middle of the order bat, but you know, he'll fit into the bottom of their order. <laughs> Which is crazy. Which is speaks volumes about the depth of the or how you know the Yankee lineup in general, but also the fact that Neil Walker's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, what's, and the Yankees got him for nothing.
0: I know. That's what's crazy to me. I mean, maybe Neil Walker just you, – you would think maybe Neil Walker just wanted to be, like, on the Yankees because it's clear that they're going for it this year. But, like, according to his interview, I think, with Jack Curry or someone, he didn't get any other offers from any other teams. And, like, that's insane. He's a good second baseman. It's like, why would you not – why would any of the – why didn't the Brewers re-sign him? I mean, do they have – I don't know, like, the Brewers system that well. Maybe they have some – really quality second baseman or second-base prospect That's they're just going to put in their lineup. But I just I was like, I feel like there are teams out there that could use Neil Walker.
1: Well, you know, it's good that the, it also helps that the Yankees are like a big market team. You don't want like a small market team like the Mets going after him. That would just be crazy. <laughs> that's insane. Mets spending money? Yeah. What lunacy no. are you talking about? Oh, but then they'd have to, you know... Either get rid of Jose Reyes or Adrian Gonzalez. Exactly. How right. do we choose? That's right. They
0: have Jose Reyes playing second this year, don't they? Probably. Why would you not? Oh, my God. Oh, oh Matt. You no, know, why not? Oh, Matt. I, I still don't quite remember until I just thought of our our last podcast that Todd Frazier's on that team.
1: Oh, yeah, he, he is. They did, I guess spend money once I guess supposedly
0: I mean Neil Walker one year four million what about that Moustakis deal for the, going back to the oh Royals for
1: nothing yeah. it's crazy I just I don't know where they go from this but the players union needs to do something but you know as long as uh, what's his name Tony Clark Tony Clark yeah as long as he's in charge, I'm sure they'll just be able to get extra condiments for their sandwiches.
0: Maybe. I don't even think it's spicy brown mustard. It's probably, like, cheap uh, yellow
1: mustard. Which. It's definitely this yellow mustard. That's all he's able to get. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Couldn't even negotiate some relish.
1: Nope. Just straight up yellow mustard.
0: <laughs> Can we have sriracha? No. No. <laughs> but, but it's, it's just crazy. Like, he, like. I mean, Neil Walker is a, at least a 20. You know, he hits over 20 home runs a year like i saw like jack curry was saying like almost everyone on the yankees in you know who will probably be in the yankees everyday lineup you know from gardner down to walker dd can hit over 20 they can all hit over 20 home runs everyone and that's just crazy
1: but do we have people who can bunt do we, we? need to bunt i don't know I we mean, need to bunt
0: got to... I guess Judge All could bunt, baseball. but I feel like Judge could bunt for a double just with his strength. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just its just what a crazy offseason this has been. I mean, Lance yeah. Lynn just signed with the he was a potential Yankee target and Lance Lynn just signed with the Twins for uh one year and how much did he get? I think twelve million something. Yeah, I, it's like I'm trying to think of numbers. I'm like, no, he didn't get that little, did he? It was like, yeah, he did. Wow. At
1: least Jake Arrieta got some real money.
0: Yeah, I right? mean that that made sense for the Phillies. There, I'll say the Phillies have quietly had a pretty decent offseason.
1: Yeah, and you know what? They're all of a sudden not rebuilding.
0: <laughs> no, I mean they're again. That's the whole thing. You can rebuild, but you can still go for it. Like. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> or you could be the Mets who were just there
1: <laughs> we're here woohoo!
0: but it's like I just feel like Mike Musakis hit like 38 home runs last year he was an all star and he got a one year what 6.5 million dollar deal from the team he was on For I mean I guess with the way this market has been maybe just players are taking one year deals to show their worth and then hopefully trying to get something better later on but it's just like where is this going this does not seem like it's going to a good place
1: yeah like the only thought I have like the one shred of hope I guess is more just if teams are in fact just quote unquote waiting for next year and like well why would I sign Mike Moustakis to a long term deal when I could get Manny Machado and then next year when you know 29 teams fail at getting Manny Machado they'll be like yo you know what maybe we'll go for Mike Moustakis now because our plan failed yeah. Although,
0: again, what? I really wonder how many. I mean, if teams aren't willing to spend for five years of Mike Mustakas already, they're not spending for seven to ten of Manny Machado.
1: Right. Like I said, this is just me holding on to a shred of hope instead of, you know, just accepting the reality and that, you know,
0: we're to- they're totally going to and they're totally going to strike in a few years when the uh-huh. when the next uh-huh. uh. CBA talks begin, and it's just going to be crazy.
1: Yep, and you're going to deprive me of Judge and Stanton and Bird and Sanchez and D.D. Baseball. Which is, like, the rudest thing to do. They're all jerk stores.
0: Yes, massive jerk stores. Yes. But, yeah, with the Yankees getting Neil Walker, that, that definitely changes the dynamic of the second base competition, if you can even call it that right now.
1: Yeah, like, I, I don't think there's a competition anymore. I think it's Brandon Drury's going to start at third and uh, Neil Walker's going to start at second and we're just going to go on our merry way. I, I mean... Now it's more just so about, like, maybe the last roster
0: spot. Yeah, the bench. I mean, I, hey, Tyler Wade is still making a great case for being, if not second base or third base, but on the bench, at least, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean... I guess if they do like him enough, maybe, or feel rather more, excuse me, if they feel comfortable enough with him, they might basically kind of cut ties with Torreus and use him there,
0: or maybe because because Adam Lind has an opt out, so maybe they won't they won't keep Adam Lind. The you know they will yeah, see what yeah, he but, can do because now that they have Walker, because Walker can back up first base, so. They at least, they do have a Greg Bird backup there.
1: Right. Although I do find it difficult to see the Yankees, like, going into this without, like, an actual first base backup. And personally, I don't think I like that idea, because if you can stash Adam Lind on your bench, A, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And B, I just don't think your starter somewhere else should ever be your primary backup at another position. I think it's nice that he can he can fill in there, but if something were to happen to Greg Bird and then you Neil know, Walker has to play there, and then you got to do do a whole lot of conjiggling. thats a word, by the way. Don't look it Flippity up. Flippity flops. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. All those things. Kerjiggering? I just don't think starter somewhere should ever be your primary backup.
0: No, I agree. And like again, they have Adam Lind on a minor league deal, and it gets—that's crazy. Yeah. What team? I mean, there are teams obviously who don't need Adam Lind, but again, I feel like we keep going back to the Mets here. Who, who the Mets have had, like they've probably acquired like a decent amount of players this year, but they have Adrian Gonzalez playing first base. Why not sign Adam Lind?
1: Because that would make sense. It
0: would. It would make too
1: much sense. It's the only thing I can
0: tell. It's just... Ugh. What an off season. Yeah. And I, I don't know if I agree with you that Drury's gonna... I, the only reason I think Drury might, because he seems like a... You know, Brian Cashman, like, really wanted him, so... He, Brian Cashman is loyal, sometimes to a fault, for players he really covets. I mean...
1: How long... Oh, I don't think... I don't think he's, like, blocking anybody, I just... Don't think there's any way that he's not the opening day third baseman. Uh, I don't think that necessarily means he's like the starter for the year. I just think this means that he's starting on April 2nd or April, March 29th.
0: Yeah. No, I could you're. So might, you might well, be right. I mean, I said, and Duhar has been really solid, but they again, they might want to give him time and they might want to, you know, keep that contract more under their control. And everything.
1: absolutely want to. So, I don't blame him. But... Ugh. Yeah. Sorry. Speaking, like, yeah, to your point, like Cashman did has liked Brandon Drury for a while, and there's one thing about Brian Cashman, it's he always gets his man. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly.
0: But that the yeah.
1: fact that Neil Walker... I'm sorry, I'm not over this.
0: Neil Walker just fell into their laps because no one offered him a deal.
1: Well... It's kind of been the story of the Yankees offseason. They got Neil Walker falling into the lot. They had Giancarlo Stanton falling into the lot. They showed Stan Castro for for uh, Giancarlo Stanton and then got a better second baseman for half of his busts. I know. I guess. Wait,
0: Giancarlo wait. Better. Giancarlo Stanton is a New York Yankee?
1: Giancarlo Stanton is a Yankee. We should talk about that more because we haven't talked about it enough yet.
0: <laughs> nice. Did you, did you see that one home run he hit this weekend? I
1: did. And then it's pretty nice. listen to Sterling's call hoping to see if there's anything, but I think he's just uh playing his cards. Let's expression? holding his card.
0: Uh keeping it close to that's the chest. The one.
1: He's just playing his yes. cards. That's a that's a thing. <laughs> I'm gonna say that now. <laughs> I don't know if that's the You're actual just playing thing. His cards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Gotta know when to hold them and know when to fold them. We just throw it out phrases now? Why not? Why not?
1: It's
0: it's the but, it's no, the exactly. of
1: the fan post trade and signing. So if things as ridiculous as that can happen, I can just make up explanations and pretend they're things.
0: Yeah, why not? Yeah,
1: I've decided I can do that.
0: My God, but yeah, it's, I'm just blown away by this off season. I mean, just the rate as it raised trading away Longoria, and you know, not really getting better. Orioles looking like. Ooh, the judge is going to feast off of that pitching lineup. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Cobb is still unsigned. He's still up. Why? They're... Yeah. Like, the Brewers can use – the Brewers have tried for Darvish. They didn't sign Lance Lynn. They didn't sign Arrieta. They clearly need starting pitching. Why would you not sign Alex Cobb, especially in this market where apparently you can just get him for, for chump change?
1: I don't know, unless maybe they tried offering and he's still holding out and then Maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know how Alan Scott that well. Alan Scott, if you're listening, feel free to call in next week. I'm assuming you and Clayton and <laughs> get together and just talk about the Pasop. Yeah. <laughs>
0: this is definitely gonna be a big, big 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 Pasop fans, Alan Scott. Oh we're gonna we're gonna probably do this for a while.
1: Yeah, I don't see myself getting tired of this. I'm sorry everybody.
0: No. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. I'm sorry, I apologize I'm not for sorry. nothing. <laughs> Pending oh, to actually uh, for a second. I mean, I would I would imagine Walker is probably the last move of the offseason. I mean, It doesn't seem like they're gonna get another pitcher. Although, again, no one has signed Alex Cobb, so maybe Cashman will just swoop in. I'm like, yeah, I'll give you a non-roster invite or one-year, two million dollar deal, because that seems to be a thing that's happening.
1: I feel like if they were even thinking about it, they probably wouldn't have been so quick to name Jordan Montgomery the fifth starter officially. Not that that means, yeah. Not that you can't take that away. But I feel like the fact that, you know, Aaron Boone had like the permission to go ahead and just say that probably means the Yankees are done doing anything now.
0: Pretty much. No, I was saying, like like you I mean but look, they played the whole uh yeah, we're going with the kids and then hey, you sign Neil Walker. It's true. And that was oh, that was my favorite reaction. Like people uh, commenting when they got Neil Walker is like they never play the kids. I'm like this is literally a team where they're playing all the kids pretty much.
1: Got to play the kids anyway. <laughs> play always, all. Always play the kids. I mean I don't know what else you could want from them. They're doing what they they're doing exactly that. They're playing the kids. They're succeeding with them. But you can't just have a roster a 25 man roster of just like 20 year olds. You have to have some other veterans in there, and it's good to have insurance for players who haven't really done anything in the majors just yet. That's not to say they won't, but you know, when if they failed, you're they're going to be the first ones to be like, "Well, Neil Walker kind of been had for four million dollars, or the way you
0: got to send him down to get work." I was like, "Okay, who are you now replacing him with?"
1: We don't ask those questions. Play the kids. Play the kids. All of them. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's like this is the this is one of the youngest most kid-filled Yankee teams ever and people I, I just I find you'd really have to stretch to find anything wrong with what the Yankees have done this offseason cuz like they've improved in every single area. You know, the starting pitching, they're going in now with Sonny Gray instead of Michael Pineda. Uh the bullpen now has David Robertson, Yay! Chad Green has emerged. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Canel, <laughs> uh, you know, and stuff. So the bullpen's improved. They have Gian- Giancarlo Stanton. They have Neil Walker at second now. Uh, Judge is phenomenal. Luis Severino had ace stuff. that Every single aspect of this team looks better than it did last year. Right, right, I well, swear people will still complain.
1: Balls. So we start Austin Romba. Yes. That's true. Yes. Play the kids. Play the kids. And Austin Romine. I don't know if he counts as a kid not. It should be 24 kids in Austin Romine. That's your roster should be. Because he doesn't. Have- Rooting for Kratz. Oh, the Yankee legendary Kratz.
0: But yeah, to to put Neil Walker on the roster, Danny Espinoza has been released, and uh, pun favorite Jake Cave is no longer has been DFA'd.
1: Yeah, so uh, I guess Neil Walker's taking Jake Cave's spot, and then Danny Espinosa. they just decided, we don't need you anymore, so bye. Oh. Yeah, I was like, later? <laughs> I'm sure uh, Jason Cohen's yes. very upset about the Jake Cave news.
0: Oh, yes. He, he was a big, big Jake Cave stan.
1: In other news... Apparently, uh, Ken Singleton announced that he this is gonna this upcoming season is gonna be his last one calling baseball, which is awful so... and awesome for him because you know he's earned his retirement. But it makes me very sad. I'm
0: so sad. I love Ken Singleton. So... I, I really consider him like one of the best play-by-play guys in the game right now. I mean, especially with, you know, Singleton, Cone, Yes Booths are clearly, like, the most superior Definitely.
1: ones. Definitely. So, Ken Singleton, I'm sure yeah. you're also a fan of the business We thank you for yes. years of calling Yankee Baseball and everything you've provided to baseball.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been on since the MSG days, and, like, I loved listening to him and Jim Cott on MSG back in mm-hmm. the day. He's He's literally been doing it for, like, the majority of my lifetime, and, uh, like you said, I guess he's re- earned his retirement, and good for him, but, man, that, that booth is gonna be a lot emptier without Ken Singleton. Let
1: me know when A-Rod is officially hired by Yes.
0: Oh, that's coming.
1: huh
0: And, I, I, again, like, I don't think people, few people realize, like, Ken Singleton's, like, this one is gone! is one of, like, the best home run call, like, most the one of the best home run calls in the game.
1: Oh, for sure. It's simple, but it's su- it's still dramatic. It's the job done. You know, don't need anything too crazy. He, he knows what he's doing. You're going to take away from the moments either. And
0: no one says, called, strike three, better than Ken Ken Singleton. You will be missed.
1: You will be. I'm also waiting for him to announce he's joining the be athletic, because that's happening, too.
0: Oh, that's totally happening. It's so... Not... I Have you subscribed yet?
1: I think I've been on it for a while now. I think as soon as, yeah, I... as he joined, I just saw this... Not I saw this becoming a thing, but I saw it as a good opportunity, and it was a pretty really cheap deal, so... And I enjoy it. Yeah,
0: well, once uh, uh, Mark Craig um, joined for the Yankee Beat, because I uh, Mark Craig is... One of the best Yankee beat writers until he went to the Mets. Yeah. I mean, he's still a good beat writer on the Mets. It's just you know, but once he was back on the Yankee beat, I'm like, all right, you got my subscription now. Yeah. Well done.
1: It's nice to have a. I got my
0: good, free T-shirt uh, in the mail. Yankee
1: beat writer. Yes. Oh, uh, see, I joined before T-shirts were mentioned. Rookie mistake.
0: I just wonder, like, you know, maybe they need to replace uh, him at Newsday or someone hire Chad Jennings, get him out of Boston. Get him back on the Yankees beat where he belongs. Bring back Chad. Yes. People, you're listening to the real uh, trials and tribulations of Pinstripe Valley Link Dumpers. Yes.
1: Again, a special thank you to today, today's episode's later guest, Brian Hogue, for getting us through the off season. Without oh you, gosh. I don't think you would have done it. <laughs> oh, I don't know how. I, I would have just split. Those are
0: some dark times. Yes. And filled with uh, nothing, and then the occasional, hey, Derek Jeter did this today.
1: Yes. I guess, yeah. Special thanks go to Brian Hook for providing us Yankee content, and Derek Jeter for, you know, just having no soul. (laughs) (laughs) You got us through the offseason. With no soul, do you
0: replace the S with the two in soul? Of course. It's a tool. Of course. (laughs)
1: That shows him the
0: re he deserves.
1: Yes. I do enjoy any time I get to write about Derek Jeter and putting re in the URL. <laughs> I'm paying my uh, request.
0: That's true. All right, I think that's... Is that it for regular Yankee news? Can't think of anything else we really need to talk about.
1: Yeah, I mean, they kind of eliminated the need to talk about any infield competition.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- that was probably our main topic until, like, yeah, no, uh, th- that was pretty much solved. So that about does it for the Greg Kirkland and Kunj Shaw part of the Pasop. We will now be going to our section where Tyler Norton, our site manager, and Kunj's former Twitter handle, uh, is interviewing Brian Hoke about his new book, The Baby Bombers. You excited, Kunj?
1: Oh, I can't wait. The book should be great. Keep hearing good things, so... Can't wait to see what Brian Hoke has to say.
0: I know. And again, Batman makes our our link dumping so much easier.
1: That and the fact that Jeter has no soul.
0: Oh, yes, of course.
1: But mainly Brian Hoke.
0: (laughs) Mainly. uh, Jeter having no soul. uh, Corporate heel jeats really did help. It did. All right. So joining us today on the Pinstripe Alley podcast is uh, MLB.com writer Brian Hoke and uh, the site manager, managing editor of Pinstripe Alley, Tyler Norton. Hey, guys. Hi,
2: how are you? Hey, Greg, how's it going?
0: Doing well, thank you. Uh, Brian is here to talk to us about his book, which Tyler has read, because luckily he got an advanced copy and he put a review on the Pinstripe Alley. I think he liked it. It seems pretty glowing review to me.
3: To me too, it meant a lot. Yeah, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. That was uh, that's awesome because you guys are the target audience for the book. So uh, if you got it, then I think uh, the public at large will too.
2: We're excited to talk specifics.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Tyler.
0: Uh, if you have any questions or regarding the book, I-, I haven't read it yet. I plan to buy it now that it's out, and uh, I couldn't read it in a day. I'm sorry, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, yeah, Tyler, if you have any questions you'd like to ask, go right ahead.
2: All right. So though, one of the themes of the book is tracing the evolution of the Yankees youth movement. And for me, it really begins in 2013 with the draft, the three first round picks that the Yankees had, and then the Hal Steinbrenner meeting with the front office to talk about the direction of the farm system in August. That's really where I think the book kicks into gear. Do you agree that that's where the Yankees began to change their philosophy, Brian?
3: I, I do. And, uh, you know, we explore all those themes, you know, I, I was thinking when I'm writing the book, it, the transition was going to be how the Derek Jeter Yankees became the Aaron judge Yankees. And that's basically the theme of the book, but you're right in that the wheels were in motion already before Derek's final game. And um, obviously The Yankees needed a new direction to field a World Series championship contender. The whole idea of throwing their wallets and the pinstripe jerseys out on the field and expecting to win the World Series just wasn't working anymore. And um, Obviously, a lot of that had to do with the fact that the elite players aren't getting to free agency the way they once did. So uh, developing their own talent was crucial for the Yankees. Uh, Having three first-round picks is a rarity, and they came away with one of them was a really good one, in Aaron Judge. So um, that is where the, the story kicks into motion. And we wind up tracing Judge's rise from uh, high school fields in California to Fresno State and how he wound up for the Yankees, as well as how they were able to find Gary Sanchez, Luis Severino, Greg Bird, obviously a high school draft pick out of Colorado. And, you know, those are the guys that we're talking about as the new core, so to speak. Um, but you're right in that. Uh, it took a, a shift change in the Yankee farm system and the way they were doing business because uh, the old way just was not yielding the same results you know they had a World Series win in 2009 they raised the championship flag in a new ballpark but it's been a while since uh, championship number 27 so I, I think you're starting to see the fruits of that and you know, obviously 2017 was so exciting uh finishing one win away from the World Series and uh, I think they're trying to do great things in, in the years to come as soon as this year.
2: Definitely. And you're talking about finding these players, how the Yankees found Aaron Judge and Greg Bird and Luis Severino and the Sanchezes. Part of that comes with the uh, scouting system that the Yankees have, their player development, their scouts. How important was it for you to tell their stories? That's sort of the behind-the-scenes items. And I loved reading parts where scouts are saying, I've never filed a report for a player that good and how excited they were when Aaron judge or Gary Sanchez was having success at the big leagues.
3: For sure. Because a lot of times these guys are almost like independent contractors. You know, they're away from the team. They don't report to the office. Uh, These, these scouts are in their cars logging hundreds of miles to see every prospect within their area. And it it was great to get these guys, uh, nail them down, get their stories and, and really give them their due because that, they're kind of the unsung heroes in all of this i mean we see the players once they're in the farm system once they're drafted uh you can watch their their rise you can check out the stats i mean now we see video of the minor leagues every single day uh, but the guys who are out there watching high school and college athletes and watch them develop uh they they really do deserve some applause and you know one of my favorite stories in there is how they were able to get greg bird and and the fact that uh, he was kind of a mystery, almost an unknown, in that Colorado is not exactly uh, the richest area for high school talent. And scouts a lot of times uh, all outright ignored Grandview High's ballgames. And uh, one of the scouts said that he went to a game and realized he was the only guy setting up on the third base side, so he could get a clear view of Greg Bird. And at that point, they realized they might really have something there. I mean, they thought he was going to be a catcher and. Eventually, you wind up moving him to first base, but you get a left-handed bat like that, uh, it doesn't really matter where you play them. I, I think you could see the promise and the potential there. So uh, we have a lot of those stories in the book, which I was really proud to kind of get to flesh out and really dig into as well, and I think fans are going to enjoy it. Uh, let's talk Greg
2: Bird for a second, actually, because one of my favorite parts of the book, you're talking about the Yankees at the trade deadline in 2017. Brian Cashman is out looking for reinforcements. He's possibly connected to the Mets to talk about adding a bat. And I believe it was the Mets. The general manager said to Brian Cashman, are you really counting on Greg Bird? Are you actually going to rely on him? Is Mm -hmm. essentially what the quote was. And could you talk about how the Yankees see Bird?
3: Yeah, and absolutely. And that's a, that's a great story in there. Brian Cashman told me that one, as far as being on the phone with Sandy Alderson and, The Yankees were interested to a degree in guys like Jay Bruce and Neil Walker and guys that they could plug in at first base and more as a rental than anything. Obviously, Jay Bruce came back to bite them in the first round of the playoffs. But um, Sandy Alderson said to Brian Cashman, are you really going to rely on Greg Bird when he hasn't played the entire year for you? And Brian Cashman responded, yes, I am. I I know Greg Bird we've seen him hit at every level he's not going to take that much time as soon as he gets that ankle thing figured out uh the doctors say he'll be back on the field and he'll be raking and you saw what happened in september and in the postseason again when he came back so i think that's why the yankees are so high on greg bird that's why you didn't see them going after a first baseman this year um obviously they bring in adam lind as insurance in camp and you get tyler austin too but they are really putting all their chips in on greg bird and they You've seen his potential. You saw it last year at the end when he was finally healthy. He had a great Grapefruit League. Uh, was tearing to cover off the ball in spring training. Uh, in 2015, at the end of the year, he 11 homers really helped power them into the postseason at the end. Um, and there's a lot of life in that bat and a lot of reasons to be excited about what Greg Bird can do as long as he can stay healthy and, and be on the field. Uh, I think that if he can get 120, 130 games at least this year, uh, look out. Those numbers you put that stroke in Yankee Stadium. Uh, it's going to be significant. So I, I think that he didn't make the cover of the book because I, he just didn't play enough last year. We have Judge Severino and Sanchez on there. But Greg Bird, I think a year from now, he'll he'll belong on the cover of that book, too.
2: Well, not too many people can take Andrew Miller deep that way that Bird did during the ALDS. and uh Talking a little bit about the ALDS as well, the postseason run. That's a significant part of the book. One of the goals you said I was to trace the 2017 postseason.
3: Yeah, it was just exciting to be there. You know, I was there uh, for obviously every postseason game, so I was able to mm-hmm. chronicle it and kind of keep an open eye, not just for my day to day coverage, but also thinking ahead. How is this going to look in a book about four or five months from now? What is a fan going to want to know about? having been in Cleveland that night or having been in Houston that night. So I was, I was taking a lot of notes there, and it was obviously fun and exciting to be there for all of it. You know, the top of the first inning, that game against the, the wild card against the Twins, you're thinking, ooh, this might not go so well uh, when Luis Severino gets knocked out. But the bullpen comes in. They get 26 outs. Uh, a phenomenal game. They move on to the next round. Cleveland, obviously, they, they get up off the mat after being down in 0-2 hole. Um, they they battle back against the Astros, take them to the limit. You know, you wonder how things might be have gone differently if they'd been able to win Game Six or Seven in Houston. Uh, maybe Joe Girardi's still the manager now. I don't know. Um, what I know, Hal Steinbrenner said it would. Uh, he he would have been inclined to still part ways with Girardi, but I find it hard to believe that if the Yankees go to the World Series and win it, Joe Girardi isn't back as manager. So. I guess we'll never know, but I, I think uh, what 2017 postseason did was capture why this was such an exciting team, why the fans connected with it so much, and I, I think it really does set the tone for uh, what they're going to do this year, because they got a taste of it now. They're hungry, and uh, you, you get it all the time talking to these guys in the clubhouse. They wanted to get back on the field and play another game right after Game 7, so I, I think they do come in with almost a, a chip on their shoulder and a bitter taste in their mouth from getting knocked out because they thought they had a team that could go all the way
2: and one of the exciting parts of the book is actually the epilogue so it's looking ahead it's talking about december when the yankees bring in and hire aaron boone as their manager and then i'm not sure if people are aware the yankees landed john carlos stanton can you talk <laughs> that isn't it crazy wow. big it true <laughs> that is uh that's a that's a head scratcher there how that happened yeah but what is the team feeling? Like you said, they're ready to go after Game 7. Do those additions, does the Aaron Boone, does John Carlos Stanton, does this team feel like it's hungry and ready to take the next step forward?
3: I, I think so for different reasons. I, I think more for Stanton than for Boone. I, I, I don't sense that there was a whole lot of rejoicing that the Yankees were going to part ways with Girardi. It was more kind of like, okay, but... Um, I, I think that the Boone hiring, he's going to be a, a good players manager. I've seen that already. He's, he's more relaxed in spring training than I think Girardi was. He's definitely going to be polished with the media. I'm not too worried about his in-game decision-making he comes from a strong baseball lineage. I think he can handle that. Uh, the Stanton move, I think is what the Yankees think can put them over the top. And you have a team that obviously was not having trouble scoring runs last year. A power-hitting right fielder was not something they needed to go out and get. They already had one of the best in Aaron Judge, but when that guy is on a silver platter from Miami, I think you have to be silly not to take it. So uh, they'll, they'll take that bat, they'll put it in the middle of the lineup, and they'll figure out where to play him later. Um, this team is going to score a ton of runs. Uh, the bullpen is locked down. Uh, I'm really impressed with the bullpen, and the starting pitching is, I guess, their weakness the area in the question mark, but you know, when you have a bullpen like that and you're scoring that many runs, you really just need your pitcher to keep you in the game, work five innings, maybe you can hand it off to the bullpen, and more often than not, you'll be shaking hands at the end of the night. So I do sense a, a whole lot of optimism in the Yankee clubhouse right now when you talk to people, there's smiles on faces, you hear the laughter. And granted, they haven't played a game that matters yet since, uh, since October, but I do sense the vibe is, is good uh, at this point in spring training.
2: Definitely, you can hear the laughter and you can hear Aaron Boone on the broadcast cheering his players on from the dugout. That's yes you can. A different change. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but two last things I wanted to bring up with you. One, you talk about the transition from Jeter's team from these veteran players to the youth movement, the baby bombers. What role did these veteran players uh, take in sort of helping mentor? the Aaron Judge, the Gary Sanchez, and Severino?
3: A lot. Um, I I think that we get into the book about what an important presence that Matt Holiday was last year, and I think Yankee fans have probably almost forgotten him already. I guess when you go trade for the National League MVP, it's easy to overlook the guy who was your DH last year. But Holiday... Sorry, uh, Matt. (laughs) uh, Yeah, I I think that uh, Holiday was in Judge's ear the entire year I think that when the story of Aaron Judge is written at the end of his career Matt Holliday is going to play a nice supporting role as far as teaching this guy how to handle the expectations in New York, how to handle the ups and downs and there are a lot of players who fit that role too. Carlos Beltran before he got traded was in Judge's ear uh, requested a locker next to him in spring training just so he could kind of tutor his heir apparent. Uh, So you get those stories in the book as far as what was going on behind the scenes in the clubhouse what these guys learn from and you've almost seen it a little bit here this spring training look uh, that's the value in having say a russell wilson come into camp it's not because you're going to teach a guy how to hit a home run or what he should do in, with a two-on-two-out situation it's, it's more the mental preparation and, and how you play at the highest level your training things like that uh for an athlete to learn especially from a guy who's been there and done it and Obviously, Wilson in a different sport, but Holiday and Beltran, if you're a ball player, those are two pretty good guys to learn from, and I think that's paid dividends for for Aaron Judge here already.
2: And that could come anywhere. It could be Russell Wilson coming in to talk. It could be Nick Swisher at a Waffle House in Scranton. That was probably my my favorite favorite things in the book, and talking
3: to Switch about what he was doing When he was down there that kind of half season, when he was trying to hang on and really trying to force his way back to New York, Uh, he was giving back at that time, too. Obviously, he wanted to be at Yankee Stadium and put the pinstripes on one more time, but he knew the end was coming up. So he really tried to give back to those kids as much as he could. And they were all there at that point. You know, your Judges, your Sanchez, your Tyler Wade, your Luis Sessas. You know, you can go down to the players that were on Scranton's roster that year and what. What Swisher did was he said, hey, look, well, he probably said, hey, look, bro, um, I'm going to be <laughs> at like Waffle <laughs> House every morning at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Um, you want to come? You want to eat? We're going to talk ball. We'll talk life. I'll be there. And he, he was true to his word, and he picked up the check every time, said it was the cheapest meal he ever bought, but he would get five, 10, 15 teammates there sometimes at Waffle House in Sprint and, uh just eating eggs and talking ball and you know talking about hey when you get to New York this is what it's going to be like and this is how you handle the media and this is how you handle you know the attention from the fans and stuff like that and that's valuable i think that there, there people talk about the yankee family uh, well that's true probably for every team but i think the yankees are really good about keeping players from their recent past uh, within arm's length and and you see it all the time with Andy Pettit and before he left Jeter and Alex Rodriguez is now around again as a special instructor, and so is Nick Swisher. And these guys, who are you've seen them on the most recent World Series winning team, they still have an influence on the team today. And I think uh, not every team does it that way, and it's pretty special to see it.
2: Absolutely, it's always so interesting to find out that these players and other personnel are so invested in the game and the team. And I think it translates in one last interesting note that following the 2016 season, after the Yankees uh, cashed in on Aroldis Chapman and Andrew Miller, they uh, restocked the farm system, called up Gary Sanchez. Hal Steinbrenner went on to social media and he took a look at what the Yankees fans were talking about. And it was a very positive reaction he found. Do you know, is Hal Steinbrenner reading Pinstripe Alley? Is he lurking in the comments? <laughs>
3: he may be. If there's somebody posting stuff that you don't always agree with, maybe he might be trolling you guys. I, I don't know, but I do know that I, I do know they're reading. They they are very um, cognizant of what the fan base is saying, because, look, we're, we're all adjusting the social media now. It has changed the world, I and mean, it's not going away. This is how people communicate. And, um, if you want instant feedback on how you're Your fans, I mean, it's their customers, quite literally. It's the same as if a hardware store was going to see how people feel about the hammer they bought. Um, You can go in and see the quote-unquote Yelp review right now of how Yankee fans are feeling about the team. And if you monitor those message boards and you see what the fan blogs are writing, I think overwhelmingly the last couple years it's been very positive. So uh, the Yankees are never a team that's going to tear it down and completely rebuild. You know, rebuilding is still a dirty word in the Bronx it's not something they're ever going to do they're never going to punt on a season the way that the Astros did for example uh to get back to the top so what they had to do I mean that was as close to a rebuild as you're ever going to see the Yankees do what they did in 2016 with Miller and Chapman uh moving those guys out but it paid off uh, a lot quicker than anybody thought it would it's setting the tone for uh what what's still yet to come and I, I really do think that over the next five years, we may look back at that 2017 Yankees team as the one where the seeds were sown for something great, but that was still the, the weakest team out of the five years, and that's saying something, I think, um, about the talent that's still coming and how they can develop in New York.
2: Definitely. A lot of comparisons to the 1995 Yankees, the team that really got things in gear. And I want to thank Brian for coming on. Greg, do you have any questions for Brian?
0: I was just picturing, uh, Nick Swisher talking to the younger Yankees about dealing with the press because I was, I interned in 2009 and I saw how Swisher talked to the press and it was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. He's just <laughs> so joyous and so full of passion for baseball and I think everything in life. So, uh, my only question is a Pinstripe Alley classic, uh,
3: Brian, which do you prefer pancakes or waffles? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I, I think I'll go with pancakes on that one. I, that's an easy call for me. All right. Oh, wow, it's a an easy too, call too. Doughy, too, bready. So, yeah, I'm gonna go pancakes there. All right. Uh,
0: that's pretty much all I have. Uh, I think Tyler covered pretty much uh, the book pretty well. So,
3: yeah.
2: And it's in stores now, so folks listening, they can go out and grab a copy. It's well worth the read.
3: Thank uh, you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really excited to. Uh, to hear what the readers have to say about it, pumped that it's uh, finally out there. You know, it's been kind of a labor of love while I've been doing my day job to get a, a book out there. And it's always been a dream of mine. So uh, thank you guys for helping make it come true. Well, congratulations.
2: Congratulations. Thank you, Brian.
3: Thank you very much.
0: All right. That was uh, Brian Hoke of MLB.com and of the new writer of the baby bombers. Congratulations again to Brian. And Hey, Tyler, how'd you feel being on the pinstripe belly podcast?
2: You know it was great being here long time listener first time podcaster, and not to be confused with the long time listener in the comments or we'll just say hello to him too.
0: trust me you, no one will ever confuse you with him your your <laughs> your puns are not quite on his what's the polite way to say level
2: <laughs> oh man
0: oh he he loves he loves us, but um. Yeah, no, uh it was good having you. Thank you for recording this during a I believe you're going through a nor'easter blizzard right now.
2: The entire east coast is That's yeah, why you're getting Minnesota probably some better weather than most of us. <laughs>
0: honestly you just completely broke up there, so I'm gonna just to, I'm just gonna attribute that to the you know I I believe I've heard the term thunder snow going on right now, so Good, time. exactly. good times.
2: Exactly. Thundersnow, Thundercats, same difference.
0: Yeah, exactly. Take care and have a good night, and as always, go Yankees.
2: Go Yankees. There
0: you go. Yes, once again, thank you to uh, Brian Hoke of MLB.com and Tyler Norton of Pinstripe Alley. Almost as big as uh, MLB.com, but, you know, not not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, and then, I mean, they both just have to c- compete with the Sop. But no, really, yes. thank you guys. Thank you, and especially again, thank you again to Brian Hogue for getting us through the off season. Yes, no, seriously, you know, caring about me.
0: <laughs> yes, that that's clearly why he does it,
1: not mm-hmm.
0: because it's his job. He's paid to. He does it so that we have links in
1: our, for our dumps. Every time he puts, hits post, it's just this is for you, Greg and Coons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that about wraps it
1: up for the PSOP today. The PSOP. <laughs> Until next time, PASOP listeners.
0: Yes, Pisopis.
1: Pisopers. We, we should name out awards and call them the Pisopis. Yes. <laughs> longest we time
0: don't... listener award for, this is the longest.
1: The most Merns.
0: Oh. I mean, there's only one person who is the most Merns.
1: That's true. He still deserves the Pasapi though.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stop before we just talk for half an hour about who gets what pasappy.
0: Yes, we need to stop.
1: <laughs> damn you. <laughs> Not because that was bad, damn you because that was good. Although, I, I know. I think so good.
0: <laughs> Alright, so that'll do it for us. Uh, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can at me at I'mNotAnHRHitter.com. Uh, Kunj, where can they at you? Um,
1: just really quickly, there's no dot com in this Twitter.
0: Did I <laughs> actually say uh, at me at uh, I'mNotAnHRHitter.com?
1: Yes.
0: Nice. Try try <laughs> adding me there too. Why not?
1: They can at you there, and they can at me on Twitter. I'm Not An HR Hitter.
0: All right, there you go. That makes sense.
1: Yep. So, I'm a
0: big fan. I'm a big fan of that Twitter account.
1: I mean, it's okay, you know, every once in a while.
0: It's terrible. It's like, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes at Pinstripe Alley Podcast. Soon, <laughs> I'm not going to rename it PSOP there because that would just be well defeatist.
1: You probably shouldn't rename it at all, but we're just going to only refer to it as the Pasap. Yes.
0: That, that us will us be some, apparently a thing going
1: forward. Some of sanity. Do we? No, but we'll, it's good to pretend.
0: Exactly. All right. Uh, he is Kun Shaw. I am Greg Kirkland. This has been the PSOP. <laughs> join us next time where we try and convince Chad Jennings to come back. Uh, I'm sure he's a listener, so if you hear us, Chad, come back.
1: At this point, who doesn't listen to us?
0: If Clayton Kershaw and Alex Cobb are listening, then you know what more can be said.
1: Definitely, definitely is. <laughs> right. Alright, thanks everyone.
0: Yes, thank you, and of course, go Yankees. And you know, John Carlos Stanton is a New York Yankee.
1: And go Pissab.
0: And go Pissab.